0: Peter, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, we've wanted to have you on for a long time, but I think with the release of the GAA Coach Survey results uh, in the last week or so, that it's uh, timely to get you on, and uh, we'll discuss that and a few other things. So thanks a million. So um, the GAA Coach Survey, for those who don't know, uh, absolutely mammoth undertaking, uh, really extensive survey on the coaching practices of, of those involved with GAA around the country. I think ten and a half thousand responses over four million data points. So we might, uh, we won't get into everything, but I suppose my first question to you is, what were the most interesting findings and points that came from it?
1: Yeah, Stephen, um, the the study was something that we wanted to do for for several years at this stage, but I suppose with everything generally being busy at lots of different things, um, it didn't. we never got the opportunity. So when the first lockdown happened um, in May, Mar- April, March, April 2020, um, we took an opportunity maybe to try and do things a bit differently. So um, from a coach education perspective, we, we developed a, the coaching webinars and so on. But from a, maybe a, a more strategic side, we, we decided to do a, a study of, of our coaches. So what I did was we tried to build a sort of a coalition of people So we had uh, Niall Williams from Komogi and William Harmon from Ladies Gaelic Football. Uh, And then we built people from various universities and academics who have been involved in coaching research. So uh, maybe just to name check those guys for a second. So we had John Considine in UCC. um, We had Richard Bowles in Mary Immaculate College in Limerick. We had uh, Anya McNamara in DCU, Seamus Kelly in UCD. Paul Jim from IT Sligo was our statistician. Uh, Paul Donnelly with University of Ulster and Brian McCulloch from University of Georgia, and then Haley Harrison who is Sport Ireland coaching. Uh, so that was the group of people that we got together, um, and we we decided to issue a uh, we we had a look around the world to see what was going on in this sort of space. So we decided to issue a, a survey, and we followed that up with focus groups. And as you said, we we somewhere in the region of 10,600 respondents um to our survey, so they, I suppose, in one sense, what we were looking at was we wanted to try and figure out well, who are Gaelic Games coaches? What are, we don't we don't we, we we know a lot about them. But at the same time, we don't know a whole lot about them. So what is their level of involvement in coaching? What practices do they do to fulfill their roles? Um, where do they see their roles going? What's their experience of coach education? And what might what learning needs or aspirations do they have, uh, again, for the future? So when you ask what were the most um, interesting results, I suppose the, one of the key things for me was that the the that Gaelic Games coaches, or the cohort of them, is made up of a complex mix of people. And they have complex coaching experiences that are very often unique maybe to their code lo- location or maybe just their own personal situation. Um, the respondents pr- were predominantly male. Almost 80% of the respondents were male. Um, and between the ages of 25 and 54, again, uh, was, was the majority of the, of the, and that's broken down within the study, but just 85% of people were in that space. Um, and again, the, the respondents tended to be quite experienced. So they, almost 90% of the respondents had five years or more of coaching of coaching experience. Um, what was also very interesting for us was that Gaelic Games coaches are very, very busy. So a, uh, 40% of them coach more than one coach. So they coach maybe hurling and Gaelic football, or hurling and camogie, or Gaelic football and, uh, and ladies football, or some some mix of those things. And what was also interesting was that they they spend a lot of time on their coaching, so, um, multiple times each week, two to three sessions each week, um, and maybe in on a coaching perspective, maybe seven and a half hours or thereabouts on coaching, and then when you add in games, up to another nine hours of 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 activity per week um, for, for coaches. So, um, so in a sense, you know, we learned that our coaches, like I said, are extremely busy. They, they have an awful lot going on. Um, they are, they are very committed to their, to their coaching. They're very committed to their teams and groups. Um, so in that sense, it was a very, the, the results were quite heartening, you know, they, that, that our coaches are, can be so dedicated and so expand and so dedicated over such a long period of time as well.
0: Yeah. So, Peter, on that then, so like like it's great that you got so many responses and it's it's great that so many people are putting so much in. But from your point of view and from the GA's point of view, then we've got loads of people who are volunteering. Uh, you've you've said it there. It's complex. They're busy. A lot of times they're they're doing two codes or maybe more. So like what has this survey helped you or, or how does it help you plan to how to support those coaches as best you possibly can?
1: Well, if you think about it from that perspective, you know, just the, the volume of time that they spend engaged in Gaelic games, um, it sort it sort of puts pressure on us as as an organisation to be able to say, well, how can we organise our games and how can we organise our activities, knowing that people are coaching multiple teams, that people people are coaching multiple codes, um, that that perhaps you know that they are spending you know significant time each week on top of working life, family life, study life, you know, all of those things. So, so for us, I suppose, for, from my perspective, what I was really, what I'm really keen to do is that how can, we, how can we look now at, we say, the, the, the policy or the practices of the GA, the Ladies Football Associations, now that we know this information, well, what are we going to do about it? So can we try and organize our activities such that people who have those multiple commitments, multiple engagements, that, that they can be facilitated as best they can to do those things. Like, when when we asked the coaches about the challenges that they faced, all of them essentially were time-related. Um, you know, that they were busy doing other things or work commitments or family commitments and so on. So, how I, I think we strongly need to look at that. Now, someone made the point to me, subsequent to the study coming out that, Actually, what's happened with the the we say the split season and 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 the way the structures maybe are going towards at, at national level might actually help because there's not the 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 playing seasons might be more defined maybe than they had been in the past, um, and that people who are involved across multiple different areas um, by by having that more defined playing season more defined program of games. Um, that, that it might help them with their time management and, and, and being available. Um, one of, like a couple of the things that jumped out were um, that coaches were, were saying were challenges that they faced or were also around things like you know games programs and, and fixtures and and when fixtures might be scheduled. So um, I think they're, they're the sort of key elements maybe that we can look at from an organization. but also there was a strong um, emphasis from all the participants, that that maybe we could be better organized even within individual clubs. So one of the recommendations that we that we as a group made was around the provision of a club coaching officer, um, and that's that's something that we are trying to uh, progress and trying to get enshrined maybe in 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 GA rule and, and so on. So while we have officers for lots of different things, we don't have officers for we don't have a a, a, a coaching officer within yes, the club. So Peter-
0: Peter, can i jump in there now so so okay what is does the club a club coaching officer look like or what would you hope it to look like in practice
1: yeah so a club coaching officer maybe i'll start with that by saying what they're not
0: okay
1: they're, they're not the expert coach they're not the czar for coaching within the club they're not the you know they're not the necessarily the best coach in the club just elevated to a, a higher position and this 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 guy or girl is going to tell every other coach in the club how to coach to my mind, the club coaching officer is someone who helps to coordinate and, and maybe give some structure and guidance to coaching within the club to try and make sure that everyone is sort of on the same wavelength, uh, that that they're all trying to achieve the same things. Because sometimes just through natural, you know, the way things are really, things can be a bit mixed up within clubs because I'm so busy coaching the under 13s, I can't really be massively concerned what you're doing with the under 15s because, you know, it's just it's time consuming uh whereas maybe someone in a coach as in a coaching office in a role in the club might take that responsibility you know for maybe having a long-term look um, and being able to join up the under 13s and the 15s and the 17s and the and 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 you know the structure maybe at nursery level into go games and and, and subsequently out, outwards from that and then also maybe that they might be able to help coaches from a, a learning and development perspective you know maybe maybe help them to be aware of what types of learning courses or opportunities are available and um, where they might be able to access them, what resources might be available um, and act as a support for coaches. So rather than, rather than maybe this, this, um, like I said, this, this high profile coach or the best coach or, or some sort of a, a, a czar for coaching within the club that this person really is, is helping to organize and coordinate and give guidance to cl- coaches within
0: their club. Okay so are we talking like about these? this we're talking nearly like a coaching pathway so obviously we've all heard loads about player pathway and I know you guys have have developed the the new player pathway in terms of a GAA but we're now talking about having potentially having a coaching pathway that nearly goes alongside that
1: Um yeah to to an extent now a coaching pathway I always think is difficult and I, I'm not necessarily saying that everyone agrees with me on this but I I think a coaching pathway is difficult because I think people sort of intuitively understand a, a player pathway you know you start off young kid maybe in a nursery at five six seven eight years of age or something like that and you progress through the age groups and maybe you engage maybe you're maybe you're involved with you know county academies or not maybe you're involved with school teams or not uh, and maybe you want to play at a level or not but coaching is very very different because there's no start point there's nowhere where you there's nowhere to say this is the first starting point for coaching because it could be anywhere across that player pathway, so lots of people, uh, like one of the one of the key findings in the study actually was that the the reason for starting to coach for lots of people there was there was, was could be broken down into two main pillars. We'll say first of all maybe people who were coming to the end of their playing career and wanted to give something back to their club, or wanted maybe wanted to stay involved in their club, and secondly then was a parent who wanted to get involved because their child was getting involved. Now. What the results showed us was that the parent who wanted to get involved generally jumped in at the at the younger age groups and the nursery age groups and the go games age groups, and that's okay. And off very often the person, the guy or girl who wants to stay involved because they want to maintain their interest, maintain their involvement, or give something back to the club, they may jump in at a different stage. So they're the ones maybe who 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 finish playing adult senior hurling or football. And maybe a couple of years later or that following year are back in coaching the minor team or maybe even coaching one of the adult teams within the club so so while a player pathway generally has a sort of defined starting point a coaching pathway doesn't a beginner coach is a beginner coach whether they're coaching the nursery or coaching the adult team um now they might have lots of different experiences behind them but they're still they're still a beginner to coaching um so from from a from a perspective, the GA ladies football and Camogie associations, then it becomes how do we try to help people who are new to coaching, but the context that they're coaching in could be very very different from each other. So, um, so yeah, that that that's sort of the challenge that is there for us. And um, that means then that we have to have resources, maybe learning opportunities for coaches that are, um that might vary based on on the specific player that they're coaching but all targeted at someone who's just a beginner coach
0: yeah okay <clears throat> so i've about 20 questions to follow up on there so basically like in an ideal world we would have nearly like a, <clears throat> a bespoke coach education offering okay for those who want to need it at different levels but in a practical sense that's that's really difficult for a a, a, a national governing body to be able to implement has the advent of being able to move online for the learning. And I know it was a huge uptake in terms of the online webinars during the first uh, COVID uh, lockdown. But do you think that that space is something that we're going to rely more and more on, as well as maybe these coaching officers in the club?
1: I, I think naturally we're going to have to, Stephen, yeah. And, and like again, it's very interesting. The study is very much a product of its own time as well, because you know, 52% of people said that they, that they had watched a webinar in the previous twelve months, I think if we did this study in twenty eighteen, for example, instead of twenty twenty, that number would have been a far, far fewer. Um, so, I think one of the things maybe that the that the lockdown and that the 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 COVID times have have provided opportunities for us to provide different types of education for coaches. So again, knowing that people maybe are time sensitive and have time issues. Then expecting people to come together for prolonged periods of time for courses is probably not realistic. Um, so, so what does that say to us then? That, well, it says to me that maybe what we need to do look at doing is provide maybe shorter um, opportunities for coaches taking less time, perhaps face to face, perhaps online. But I think um, I think we have to. I think we just have to think beyond the more traditional model of, you know, a face-to-face course where we get together for X number of hours over Y number of days. Um, and, and you know, that that, that that that's the entirety of what we provide.
0: Yeah. And um, I suppose, like thinking back to when I started out coaching, when I first went to my first coach education to get my foundation, uh, a, many, a lot of years ago now, we won't admit that how long, but um, I suppose... For me, it was oh, great. I got a lot of new games and drills and all this type of stuff at, at the coach education. But I think that while well, that's still out there, but I definitely think that sort of narrative is changing as in you can get drills and content with on the social media, on the Internet, on, on YouTube, whatever it may be. But the more softer skills on that how to coach seems to be getting more and more prevalent uh, coming into coach education programs.
1: Absolutely. Like, I often give the example, like, um, so I went to UL to study sports science, and at that time, um, the only, more or less the only place in Ireland to get information on sports science related stuff was the library in UL. You couldn't go down to your local Eason or your local bookshop and go in and find a, a book on, you know, sport or training or anything like that. They just weren't available at the time. So, therefore when you went there that's where you got the access to information you, you you the books were in the library and that was fine um that's that's not the case anymore so the as you said you have more in your phone you have more access to sports science and coaching and physical activity and health knowledge than than anyone else in the history of the world so um So we're not needed to do that anymore. We're not needed to give you that information anymore. We have to think about coach education slightly differently then because we don't necessarily have to give you a drill or a game or an idea for fitness because well, there's lots of different ways and means of getting that stuff. Now, what we could do and should do is be a sort of a a safe home. So, you know, like with the GA, we have the the learning and, and development website. And an activity planner there. So if you go to that, you're going to get good activities and good information and good materials. Um, but we wouldn't be naive enough to say that's the only place you're going to get it. So from from that perspective, then we have to think of our role differently in coach education. Um, and I remember a guy by the name of Ray Collin, who was head of head of learning in CIT and a, in Cork IT. I've given him the wrong job title, but um, he he would have introduced us in the GA two. Um, the concept of online learning going back maybe 15 or 16 years ago now, uh, he would have presented the National Games Development Conference. And he used a phrase that day that, that you know, as learners, we need to, we need to, we cannot be the, the sage on the stage anymore, that you're the guide and the side. And it, it's, it's very, very true. You know, coaches don't need to come to us to find out information on things, uh, on, you know, drills or games or any of that sort of stuff anymore, because there's a world of that type of information. So our focus needs to be on helping coaches to understand the why, like you said, the how. So how might it be best to coach? How, why do I coach in a particular way? Or why might I why might I do things in a particular way? Instead of instead of being, you know, that 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 um I suppose that font of knowledge or that that resource of of games and drills. Now, and don't get me wrong, there's always a need for resources that produce games and drills always like if i was going on coaching a team tonight i'd like to go and have a look at some some books and resources that would help me you know have different games different drills different activities that's fine um but i think the concept of coach education has moved away from being only about games and drills and things like that
0: okay so we're now gone from a let's say Years ago, we're going from a situation where it's very much me as a coach educator would be saying, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And this is when you do it. We're now going saying, well, there's loads of material out there. So so the what you do is probably less important as in how we get it across to you and um, but how you can implement it and how you build rapport with a player or how you plan your sessions. These are things that we can give you a lot more help with, and perhaps give more of a focus towards that than the practical, actually, of, of what we're doing.
1: Uh, yeah, to an extent. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I sort I definitely wouldn't discount, you know, the practical of what we're doing either. I think it, it is important. Of course, it's important. Um, but, but I suppose what we've been learning in the last little while, uh, and if you look at the evolution of of coach education within Gaelic games, you know, go back, go back close to 30 years ago when when, when uh, the formal coach development program started, and, and largely they were around uh, what you would do, largely. um, And, and as that evolved, then, you know, we, we brought in the idea of the child, youth, adult um, to bring in the context. So, you know, whether you're we coaching children or youth or adults, it might be slightly different. Um, and then as well as that, you know, the the coach education system evolved and people around the country i'm thinking of the likes of gerard o'connor and eugene young and people like that uh in, in dublin ulster who would have who would have led the concept of workshops and seminars instead of just courses so that was another revolution that came along we say going back 12 or 14 years ago at this stage um so the 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 offerings that we have for coaches have evolved in the last 30 years and they had to evolve um because the needs and wants of coaches changed as well now fundamentally you know having having a book of activities and resources and drills um is really important and maybe technology will help us there whether you know these are online whether they're apps or whether they're, any of that sort of stuff um but there's i think there's a better and a growing understanding of the need for um the relational and the interpersonal stuff within coaching how you engage with players how you engage with teams how you engage with fellow coaches all, all, all of that maybe has gotten more prominence in the last little while.
0: Yeah, no, and it's interesting you use the word evolution of coach education over time. Um so we've talked about where it's been and where it sort of is now. What's the predictions if you were to cast your eyes maybe 10, 15 years ahead, where do you think we're going to end up in that space?
1: Um well education is changing all the time of, so you know and, and and technology is providing greater opportunities maybe than they ever had before. So you know it's hard to be you know too specific maybe but one of the things i think that we're going that will emerge in the next little while is is this concept of of education being personalized or bespoke for the individual coach um so instead of having you know um uh, sort of a one stop shop of of learning opportunities come along and everyone gets the same that, that maybe what we can do is start looking at a curriculum that's maybe more bespoke for coaches that is just for you based on your own context your own environment the groups and teams you're working with um, and also maybe just in time so if you think of uh, if you think of you know a lot of the education and learning that we would have had over the years a lot of it could be called just in case so, you know, you went along to college, you got a degree and they spoke about lots of things in that. And just in case ever in the future, you come, you're come, a physiologist in the lab, well, this is how you do a, a VO2 max test. And I haven't ran, done one since I left college. And it's unlikely I'm gonna do one then in, in the next, you know, a little while, but it was just in case. Um, whereas I think what's gonna happen and a big evolution in, in education is gonna be just in time. So I have an issue uh, with my team, there's something happening. I want to try and solve it. Maybe I need uh, information on, you know, particular types of games and activities, and that's okay. Maybe I need information on particular types of tactics, or team play, or fitness, or psychology, or performance analysis, or any of those things. And I can access those things when I need them, rather than when we want to give you them. So, for example, a common call that we might get in, in from a coach out there is, "I just did my foundation course, and I want to learn more about." Something to do with, for example, technical proficiency or physical fitness, and he'd say, "When you know, where is that on the coach education system?" He'd say, "Oh yeah, that's on the award two course," and he'd say, "Oh great, so you know, when can I do that?" Uh, and we'd say, "Well, yeah, well, you know, you're just in your foundation, so you're supposed to have a training a season of coaching, and then you do your award one, and then you have another season of coaching, and then you can do your award two. So he's saying, well, yeah, but my, I'm training on Tuesday," um, uh, and and um, you know, so this concept of of just in time. Um, that and that might be that might mean that the learning opportunities we provide then can be shorter more, more bite-sized maybe more video based um all of those things um but it instead of having that big sort of obligation on people to attend 8 10 12 14 20 hours of courses it could be come along to this hour one- hour workshop next week with martin forward he's going to discuss something and you might say yes that's that's exactly what i need uh, i'm going to go to that one- hour workshop next week
0: yeah, and uh, yeah, it goes back to your point earlier on about no coaching pathway being a u- coaching journey being unique. that They're all unique, as in people start at different times and have different oh. skill sets and want to, to join on. And actually, ties in. You see a lot of the universities now are doing these uh, micro credential courses, yeah. so they're like giving giving small credits for those sort of softer skills in terms of uh, communication and, and and stuff like that. Um, so I do think that th- there's definitely a, a re- real growth area in that and be really interesting to see how it plugs into to coach education um, as it goes forward. So, like, I suppose I have one more sort of big question on, on the dash, uh, what we've all we've talked about and, and the survey. So you've done you've done this huge survey, you've got all these results compiled um, you've got loads of really, really respected and very good researchers in the space that are also in the practical space to feed in in terms of how you examine those results. I'm presuming this is all feeding into some sort of strategic sort of direction that you guys want to go in. Uh, Couple that with the new player pathway. So is this now a sort of a direction where you're trying to make sure um, everything is, I suppose, as best practice as you can possibly be and you have the evidence to point towards it?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose the the within within coach education. So then Martin Kennedy has come on board in the J in the last in the last six months or so, um, with a, with a remit now around coach and player development. Um, so Martin and, and also Liam Morgan, who's chairing our coach education workgroup, will um, will be strongly taking the type this this type of research and this type of evidence and trying to in, embed it within our programs. So they've already started like the 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 path to those type of things that I was speaking about there, you know, trying to develop a suite of learning opportunities for coaches, that might be more uh, that that coaches might you know, engage in more or less depending on their own availability and time, Um so rather than having single oppor- opportunities before, that there'll be a, a broader opportunity for coaches to engage, and I think around the country you can see that appetite. I see a massive massive appetite for for learning amongst Gaelic games coaches, um, and and maybe uniquely and you know in in sometimes in our roles we get to speak to people from other organizations and maybe people internationally and they they're almost to a to a man and woman overwhelmed with what they see as as the as the want for learning within gaelic games coaches it 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 really is incredible so you can see that in the number of people who attend conferences and workshops and seminars and courses on an annual basis it's 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 really mind-blowing to be honest Um. so We've started, this This study is a starting point for us, um, but it's only going to be as impactful as we can, um, as we can embed it into policy and practice. So now that we know these things, the, the we're obliged to do something about us. So we know coaches are really, really busy. We know they coach multiple teams. Um, and maybe we can have a, a more guided, um, you know, policy and practice development Whereas in the past it might have it might have just evolved naturally, or it might have gone different directions based on who might be who might be involved. So it's a, it's an interesting thing. Like I would say that this is the start rather than the end of of this type of work. Um, and I know we myself and Martin and myself and, and other people um, would have discussed other projects maybe that we can look at to try and get a better understanding of well what might be the most impactful coach education for particular types of coaches whether that's geographically, whether that's hurling or football coaches, whether it's, you know, child, youth or adult coaches, whether it's experienced or inexperienced coaches. So I think that that's more work that we need to do to to try and make that uh, learning, those series of learning opportunities, maybe more bespoke to the individual.
0: Yeah. And I I, I think it's, I I think it's great. And I think it's, um, I think it's important that you have that sort of coach's voice, and you have the 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 opinion of of the volunteers, those grass those grassroots coaches that are out there, who are obviously we all know them. They're also passionate about about and uh, about coaching and about Gaelic games and just want to get better. So I think it's really really important to have their voice uh, feeding into you guys in terms of um giving direction to what you're doing. So I think that's that's um yeah, I think it's brilliant. You mentioned um, a couple of times the coaching and games conference. Are we going to see a, co- a conference this year? And can you give away any secrets? Are we? Do we know when or, or have we got any dates or, or will it be in person or what do we think?
1: Yeah, everything, everything, everything is dependent, I suppose, isn't it, at the moment? But look, th- things are looking maybe brighter than they had been in the past. So the intention is that we will have a conference. Um, the date that we're looking at the moment is Saturday, the 19th of February. Uh, which is not that far away, really. Uh, we're intending to use the the, the Connacht Dome uh, as well, so numbers will be restricted based on you know all the current re- environment and so on. Um, so further information on that will be coming out soon. We I won't give you anything on the speakers just yet, but we have a few uh, a few lined up that might get people people's interest. Um, we'll also be looking at different ways because the numbers are, are are going to be more restricted we're going to look at different ways of getting information out there and maybe um having information available for coaches subsequent person uh, definitely subsequent to the, to the to the event anyway
0: brilliant i was taught we were going to get an exclusive off you there Peter, but that's okay that's all right we look forward to the updates um so look um you've been great with your time uh, i know how busy you are we have three questions that we ask everybody uh that comes on the show and i know you might have talked about some of them already but uh it's it's a nice way of of wrapping up the show we find so the first one what does the term successful coach mean to you
1: yeah i was um when niall sent me the email i was i i said come on oh god (laughs) you probably need a year to think about these things really um so from a success point of view um I think we all, lots of people talk about success in coaching and different measures of what it looks like. Um, Some people obviously are more results focused and they look at trophies and winning and league tables and championships and all that sort of stuff and that's okay. And then you have people who might say they're development focused and they look at things like skill development and participation and fitness and retention uh, and things like that and they're all okay too. But but I think, I think those are really indirect measures of coaching success and it Uh, I'd sort of differentiate between what a coach is accountable for and what a coach is responsible for. So a coach might be uh, accountable because they didn't win the league or championship, but is it really within their remit to say we're going to win the league or championship? There's so much going on that, you know, uh, maybe not. Um, Even participation and retention. If you think of an eight or a nine year old kid, there's so much going on in their life that, you know, it's 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 sometimes beyond the responsibility to coaches to whether that child stays or, or doesn't stay um now we know that dropout has lots of different reasons um and poor coaching is one of those things and we know that retention has lots of different reasons and good coaching is one of those things too but i i think i think we need to look beyond those things really for coaches because you know if we're focused on winning and and, and those things you know we're really not going to really not going to get anywhere so what I was trying to think about over the last while since I got this email was um, how can we? Uh, I would say that a coach is more successful um, when they have a set of coaching values or values for coaching, okay? That they have their own set of coaching values. So, what might your coaching or my coaching values be? And I think that the true success for a coach is being closer to living those values okay and that is something that a coach can be both responsible and accountable for so if you think about it what values do i mean and maybe look like we talk about values a lot and, and maybe they're sort of airy fairy things maybe that people mightn't you know fully get this. say well people talk about values when they don't really want to talk about what they really mean so if you think about it like what values might a coach have you know maybe loyalty honesty fairness trustworthiness inclusiveness so If I want to be a fair coach or if I want to be an inclusive coach, then then I can do that. That doesn't that doesn't impact on whether I win the league or not. It doesn't impact on whether players necessarily improve their skills or not. But I can try to be inclusive. I can try to be fair and there, uh, there are things that I can do. So what I'd often talk to coaches about is to think about their coaching values and then think of behaviors that reflect those values. And then see, can I consistently engage or consistently reproduce those behaviors? Um, and if we can do that, then we're closer to living that value, those values. And I would say that that ultimately is, 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 is the real success for a coach. Um, so, like, and it doesn't have to be a lot of them. Maybe, maybe any people listening might say, look, can I, can I take two values or three values or four values that I want to embed in my coaching this year uh, and then you know think about well how do I show that in a coaching session so how do I show that I'm fair you know maybe I'm giving people equal game time maybe I'm giving people equal um, equal time of my, my own time that I'm going around and helping and supporting everybody Um that I'm not excluding anybody and those are things I think that that coaches can do and like I said it doesn't matter the outcome of a match doesn't necessarily matter to those things um, so then after every coaching session or every game then you can sit down and say well was i fair today or was i inclusive today um and then if you were or you weren't you know well you've another game or another coaching session coming up um and you can try and make that change there um so so yeah so that's what i'll say and um, for that to try and be closer to try and be closer or more honest to your own coaching values
0: good answer peter uh i'm i'm glad you uh put the thought into it it's good and, and it's you could nearly do a whole show just on the values itself as well 100%, yeah yeah uh okay next question best book or resource that you would recommend to coaches now you've set a high bar at the first one now so answer carefully
1: okay um i think this is this is a this is maybe a more difficult one in, in a sense because um there's lots of there's lots of really really good resources. Like I said, no, no more are you having to go down to the library in UL or or in DCU to try and access information on physiology or or any of that sort of stuff. And um, so, and I know from listening to previous podcasts, lots of good resources you mentioned, and, and, and that's all good too. So, things like uh, I know Wade Gilbert has a has a really good book, Coaching Better Every Day. You know, really good resource there. Um, the ga through dublin through ulster through crow park and various counties ha- have lots of good resources as well whether it's you know that type of idea of of games and drills and, and activities for for your teams some of those are there uh, i'm thinking of people like philip kerr as well who's got really re- lots of really good resources and i'm thinking of conferences and events like like uh, the games well conference i'll plug that straight away but also the coaching master classes that they've passed more runs and things like that you know there's some really really good events and activities for for coaches out there um, but actually, one of the one of the ones I've come across recently, and I haven't actually read it. I've only read snippets of it online, um, and it, it sort of comes with my answer for the next one as well. Um, it's it's it, and it's more on the academic side as well, which which mightn't suit everybody's tastes. But there's there's a book came out there recently about myths of sports coaching, to try and try and look at the the myths and the fads and the the mysteries that are pushed out there about sports coaching um and there's there's two authors i had to write them down um amy, amy whitehouse and jenny, jenny co yeah. yeah yeah so i think it might help coaches to differentiate between maybe what's useful and what's not um because strangely enough and this is like this is what i think what makes coaches really really vulnerable there's no book i can say it to go to and that tell you that's how you learn to be a coach there's not there's not one thing it doesn't exist so that makes coaches vulnerable because there's always going to be somebody who's knows something that you don't or has read something that you haven't read or seen something you haven't seen um but maybe if you have that sort of decision making skills to 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 pick out what's what's good from what's nonsense what's a myth from what's real um that that might be maybe something for coaches that to start thinking about
0: and a resource a book like that might be might be useful yeah you're basically yeah something like that that teaches them how to uh how to figure out what's bullshit and what's not, Peter. It, well, I didn't want to use that word. Yeah, I wanted to show up that language. No, will probably it. beep it out afterwards, but it'll be fine. Um, no, another great answer. So, um, and it's something that we we would um, we would do a lot of here in DCU, as you know yourself. Um, the last question for you, then: What are your top tips for developing coaches?
1: Okay, and again, from listening to guys, there's been great tips on on coaches in the in, in the past, and that's that's all okay. Um, Again, I might go slightly differently, um, and say that a coach maybe have an inquisitive mind, Um, so that that could be a key one. So, like, lots of people will tell you that coaching is all about something or all about something something or other. So you know, they might say hurling is all about speed or hurling football is all about fitness or all about psychology or all about whatever. Uh, And I sometimes think that anyone who says that. Gaelic games or any sport, whatever your sport is, anyone who says it's all about that is usually trying to sell you that, uh, or something to fix that. Um, so, so can you can you sort of have an inquisitive mind or a learning mindset for yourself, um, so you can try and figure out maybe why things happen or why things work or why things don't work, um, and as well as that, maybe try to get as close as you can to the original information. So be aware that there's lots of i suppose you might call them pop psychology books out there that try and condense you know years and years of research and practice into you know a couple of hundred pages with a few nice stories and they're they're fine to read and, and that's okay um but they're simplistic and they're a simplification maybe of something that's that's quite complex um so trying to look past them and get to the real information and that can be hard but i think if if a coach was inquisitive if they're open to learning then there's really no limit to what they can achieve. Um, you can try things out, you can fail, you can give it a go, you can see what works and what doesn't work and try to figure out why it might or might not work. And that's all okay. There, there's there's a sort of a safe ground. And your players then can, at the same time, your players can be the same, they can be inquisitive, they can be open to learning, they can try things out and know that if they make a mess of it, then it's okay, we'll try and learn from it and we try something else the next time. Um, so, yeah, top, top tip is maybe be inquisitive.
0: Okay, I like it. Three good answers, Peter. I, I like them. Um, okay, so, look, you've been phenomenally good with your time. I know how busy you are, particularly with uh, a conference coming up uh, shortly, hopefully, and and uh, hope to be there again. Um, But I think there's so much for people to take away uh, as well as the the overview of the findings that you gave from the survey, but like talking about the future directions of coach education, that just in time sort of bespoke education piece I really liked talking about being true to your values as a coach and how that's a, a measure of success. And then biggest one for me Peter was how uh, everyone has a different context everyone has a different environment or a setting and that so these coaching pathways or journeys are not all they're, they're all unique and they're not one size fits all and how we need to bear that in mind as we go forward in coach education so Peter it's been a pleasure thanks very much for coming on